right. I'm excited to be here before you today. Pastor Phil was supposed to preach this message today, and praise be to God, he's, he's on his feet, he's doing better, but he wasn't feeling very well this week, and so he called me up on Wednesday and said, Matthew, uh, would, you, uh, would you please fill in for me? And I said, well, okay. And I said, but you know what? I got a lot of help last week from some beautiful sisters in Christ that uh, shared what it means to uh, live out the gospel show and tell from 1 Peter chapter 3. And that's where we are this morning, if you'd like to turn there. 1 Peter chapter 3, it's on page 858 in the Pew Bibles provided there for you. 1 Peter chapter 3, 7. But I had help from these ladies last week as we looked at this uh, really kind of touchy subject of submission. Wives submitting to their husbands. And they did a beautiful job. And I, I just want to again thank them so much for their humility and their transparency. Yeah. And so I, I, Pastor Phil had me on the phone. I said, Pastor, I'll do it if, I, if you'd let me assemble a men's panel. And he said, go for it. And so uh, we'll, we'll see some men up here in just a few minutes. And we're going to talk through uh, then the counterpart of that, of how husbands show and tell the gospel in their marriages. And so we've been walking through 1 Peter. And, it, and the title of the series is Triumphing in Troubled Times. We live in troubled times, just as the, the readers, uh, the audience of this, this letter that Peter wrote 2,000 years ago nearly... A similar situation, a hostile situation. In fact, it was probably much more hostile then for them living in the Roman government as it is for us even living in the United States. And we've seen increasing hostility toward the Christian faith, toward evangelicalism for, 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 for quite a few years now. But uh, what does it mean to live triumphing in these troubled times? And, and we see we've been given a great salvation. And, and we've seen that we were a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And we get to chapter 2, verse 12 again that says, I want you to live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. And so we've been talking about what does it mean to put the gospel on display, not just by speaking it, although that needs to come. Every single one of us has been given the, the commission to go and, and speak the good news of Jesus Christ to all creation. And, but we do that by, by also showing it off in the way we, we live our lives. It's, in fact, we're called to adorn the gospel of Jesus Christ, Titus 2, chapter, uh, chapter 2 says. We adorn the gospel the way you'd show off a beautiful piece of jewelry. We want to show up that good news, that gospel. We've been talking about that, though, and I think it's been a few weeks that I, I'm kind of afraid that if you've been hearing that term gospel or good news, that we may be assuming that you know what that is. I hope you know what it is. But I don't want you to leave here today and think, well, they talked about this gospel, but I don't even know what that is. I'm going to summarize it for you right now. According to the scriptures, we believe that God rules. God is the great ruler, creator, king of all the universe. And he's a wonderful, wise creator. And he is a benevolent king. And he created us to have a relationship with him. But we sinned. We rebelled against him. We said, you know what? We'd rather figure things out for ourselves and do things on our own. And so we raised a fist to God. And every single one of us, without exception, have rebelled against him. And because of our sin and rebellion, the wages of that, the Bible says, or what we've earned because of it, is sin and death. Eternal separation from God. Physical death. Pain. Uh, conflict in our, our relationships. And so the good news is that God provided His Son, Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, even that world that was at enmity with Him, He said, He gave His one and only Son. He provided the solution in His Son, Jesus Christ, who is God with us. 
And God with us lived a perfectly sinless life. And He then gives, He provided Himself on the cross as the perfect substitutionary sacrifice. In our place, the death that we should die, He died on the cross in our place for our sins, rose from the dead and ascended back to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit now so that we can live new life in Him forever. And the only response that you have to have is to trust in this glorious Savior, Jesus Christ. To actually say, I'm going to repent and turn away from my sin and trying to do anything to merit my righteous standing before God. And I'm trusting in Jesus alone to rescue me from sin and death. And you could do that today, friend. You could do that today. And so I, I just felt that was kind of needed. You know, before we start talking about putting the gospel, show and tell, showing it and telling it to our lost world, we got to make sure we're clear what is the gospel. If you're on an elevator with somebody, that's about 60 seconds, 30 seconds, would you be able to explain the gospel on a short elevator trip? But here we are, Peter's saying, I want you to show and tell the gospel. And we get to 1 Peter 3, 7, and we've already seen several examples of how is that lived out? How do we show and tell the gospel? Well, we do it first by submitting ourselves to every single human authority. Every single person that's a follower of Jesus Christ that has been transformed by the gospel. One of our obligations, one of our duties is to submit ourselves to the governing authorities. Well, next we saw then we're also supposed to submit to our employers. Those that are put in charge of us in our places of work, how are we living out the gospel of Jesus Christ? By honoring them and respecting them. Even if they treat us poorly, we're to honor and respect them and do our work heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. Last week we saw then, what does that look like starting now in the home? How do we show and tell the gospel before a watching word world in the home? First of all, that means that wives are called to submit. They're called to voluntarily voluntarily place themselves under the authority of their husbands. Not because their husbands are worth more, but because this is God's design in the home. This is how it functions. And, and we see that this marriage relationship in the home is really a picture of the great relationship of Jesus Christ with His bride, the church. And just as the church is called to submit to her, her husband, the Lord Jesus Christ, so wives are called to submit to their husbands. And like I said, if you missed last week, go back and check that out online on valleybible.org and go see what uh, our sisters in Christ talked about, the challenges and the rewards of, of submitting and living out this inner beauty. And so we're going to see today in 1 Peter 3, 7, then the role of the husbands. And I'm going to kind of quickly go through this because I really want to get some of my, my brothers, my friends up here to talk through this a little bit, uh, how this looks out, how this works itself out in the home and in, in real relationships. And so it says in 1 Peter 3, 7, I'll read it in NIV and then we'll, we'll take a look at it in the ESV. And so two different English translations, the Bible originally written uh, in the Old Testament in Hebrew and Aramaic, the New Testament written in uh, Koine Greek. And so we've got several different ways that you could translate it in English. And so I'll read two different translations for you. First in the NIV, 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives. And treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And the English Standard Version, ESV, says this, 1 Peter 3, 7, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, 
so that your prayers may not be hindered. You know, there's a lot of confusion today about what does it mean to be masculine? And so I was like, well, that, that term, what does that mean? What does masculine mean? So I looked it up. I went to dictionary.com and found some definitions and some synonyms for the word masculine. Masculine. Well, basically it means having the qualities ascribed to men. Well, that's not very helpful. <laughs> right? But then it went on to say, such as strength and boldness. Strength and boldness. I mean, there's nothing for most men, traditionally speaking, and this is how I grew up, there's nothing worse than being thought of as a wimpy or a weak man or a puny man. You want to show strength and boldness. And even if your knees are knocking inside your heart and your mind, you don't want to show that to your pals, right? You've got to show yourself to be strong. And so some of the synonyms, I like this, uh, words in place of masculine is macho. Macho. Manly. Muscular. How about this one? Beefcake. <laughs> Beefcake. Man, he's, just, he's got muscles and muscles, right? Uh, bold. Daring. Brave. How about this one? That guy's a hunk. Oh, I'd never say that, but maybe you ladies would say it. Yeah, he's a real hunk, right? He's really masculine. He's a hunk of a man. Or a jock. Or he's real studly. He's a stud. He's powerful. He's strapping. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, if you, if you know uh, Beauty and the Beast, you think, of, you think of Gaston, right? There's this guy. He's a hunter. And he's got big muscles, right? And all the men want to be him. You know, that's, that's the definition of masculine, right? That's what we think of. But there's so much confusion today related to masculinity and femininity. And, and so the pendulum has kind of swung away from that, or is swinging, I would say, away from that tra traditional uh, con conception of, of masculinity. And now we're coming to the other side where, really, masculinity and femininity, that's all up for grabs. If there even is such a thing. You know, if, if, if you're biologically a man and you want to identify as a woman, you know, our culture says you could do that and vice versa. And so there's almost this stripping away of any kind of concept of masculinity. And it's, it, it, it could mean anything. Everything's up for grabs here. So where do we get a concept of what true manhood and masculinity is? Is it this Gaston type that is real a hunk of a man and, you know, he's real bold and brash even at times? Or is it this other side where it's, it pretty much waters away to almost nothing? It's, there's nothing that it means to really truly be masculine. And, and I would say this, that 1 Peter 3, 7 shows us not one extreme nor the other, but it gives us a different kind of masculine than the culture tells us. A different kind of masculine. The kind of masculinity that God is looking for. What does it mean to be a godly man? What, is it, what does it mean to be a godly husband? So we have to ask ourselves, how are we to show, the, show and tell the gospel in our relationships as men, as, as people who are masculine? And I think it's so appropriate to be sharing on this Father's Day. Do we bow to the culture on one side that either says, this kind of masculine shows no backbone, it's completely tolerant, or is it this macho hyper-masculinity on the other side? We come to 1 Peter 3.7. And there are other texts that speak to this as well, but we're going to focus on this this morning. Again in the ESV, 1 Peter 3, 7 says, Likewise, husbands, 
likewise husbands. So the first word there is likewise. By comparing all of these different ways that you're to show and tell the gospel, whether in the government or whether with your employer or whether wives in the home, now the husbands in the same way with Jesus Christ as our example. You look back at chapter 2, uh, you can see that there in verse 24, uh, you see that it's just like Jesus Christ. He himself bore his, our sins in his body on the cross. The comparison being made here is the comparison to our Lord and Savior himself. Likewise, I want you to show and tell the gospel, husbands. And he says two things here. He says, I want you to live with your wives in two ways. Live with them in two ways. First of all, I want you to live with them in a way that you're seeking to understand them. Understanding our wives. Secondly, he says, I want you to honor them. I want you to live with your wives in an understanding way, and I want you to live in such a way that you're honoring your wife. This is what it truly means to be a husband. This is what a different masculinity looks like compared to this world. So let's take a look at that. Again, verse 7 says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And literally it means according to knowledge. I want you to live in an understanding way means I want you to have a knowledge of what it means like in two ways. First of all, what does God require of me as a husband? And then secondly, how am I learning and understanding my wife? I want you to live with them and I want you to be a student of your marriage. I want you to be a student of your bride, of your spouse. Live with her in an understanding way. You're always seeking to understand. You know, there's a book came out years ago, and it, we joke about it. Men are from Mars, and women are... Where are you from again, women? Oh, yeah, that's right, Venus. Men are from Mars, and women are from Venus. And boy, I'll tell you, I've experienced that in my marriage. There have been times where I feel like I want to reintroduce myself all over to her again. I'm like, hello, I'm Matthew. I'm from planet Earth. Where are you from, right? We've got conflict, we're talking, and it's like we are not seeing eye to eye at all. I mean, she looks at one color, and I say it's red, she says it's blue. And I, it's just like we're just on completely different planets, it feels like. And sometimes we would say, you know what, that's just men and women are different. And we walk away and say there won't be any meeting of the minds. It's just the way we are, we're so different. Well, it's true, we are different. But look at what this, this verse says. Husbands, understand your why. I think that means, men, I think that means that it's time for us to get in our space shuttle and lift off from Mars and go over to Venus to see what they're like. <laughs> to live with our wives in an understanding way isn't to say, I, I don't want to remain in this state any longer where it feels like we're speaking a different language. Help me understand you. You become a student of your spouse. Wayne Grudem, a great pastor, theologian, scholar, wonderful, in his commentary in 1 Peter, he says, the knowledge Peter intends here may include any knowledge that would be beneficial to the husband-wife relationship. Knowledge of God's purposes and principles for marriage. Knowledge of the wife's desires, her goals, even her frustrations. Knowledge of her strengths and her weaknesses in the physical, emotional, and spiritual realms. A husband who lives according to such knowledge will greatly enrich his marriage relationship. Yet, yet, such knowledge can only be gained through regular study of God's word and regular unhurried times of private fellowship together as husband and wife. 
We're called to spend time in Venus, man. Spend some unhurried time getting to know your spouse. Asking God, God, show me. I want to know this woman better. Help me to understand her. And then actually sitting down with her and listening to her. Asking questions. Understanding your wife. We're going to talk about that with these men in just another minute or so. The second thing we're called to do to live with our wives is we're called to honor them. Honor them. Showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. Now, some of you ladies may think to yourself, weaker, nothing, all right? Right? This has nothing to do with intellectual, nothing to do even, I would say, with emotional. Certainly, I would say nothing absolutely to do with spiritual. In fact, in, in, in this verse, it says, uh, showing honor to them because they're co-heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. So this isn't having anything to do with inequality, but it just goes to show that generally speaking, not without exception though, generally speaking, men are physically stronger. We're physically stronger. It's true. It is true. So how do we honor them? This honor has to do with this, this valuable price. What price would you pay for something so valuable? You value her. You respect her. You give her a high and honorable status in your home. You recognize who she is, and, and you don't use that to exploit her. You use it to honor her. Think about the advantage that we have, men. Think about the advantage that we have, husbands. First of all, we're, we're given the authority in the home. It's never mentioned in the, in the New Testament that the, the husband is to submit to the wife. Well, first of all, the church ne uh, Christ never submits to his church. The church always submits to Christ. And so wives are called to submit to their husbands. So that means we've got, we've got authority in the home. Secondly, we, we see we're just stronger. We're usually bigger too, right? That's a lot of advantage right there. Will we use those advantages, though, to, to take advantage of our spouses? Will we use that in an abusive, exploitive way? Or will we use that for their benefit? Peter is saying, you've been given this, this precious gift. And yes, you're stronger than her. And yes, you have authority in this home. But you don't use those for yourself, for your own advantages. You use it for hers. You use it for hers. See, this is a different kind of leadership. This is a different kind of use of strength than what we're often used to. The scriptures, see, they don't just teach a different kind of masculinity. They also teach a different kind of leadership. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 20, verse 25, Matthew 20, 25, Jesus called together his disciples. They were having arguments about who would be the greatest in the kingdom. I want to be the leader because that means everybody has to serve me. But he says, you know the rulers of the Gentiles. They lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man. And he's saying, just like me, follow me. I'm the Son of Man. I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. Is there anybody with more authority than Jesus? Is there anybody with more strength than Jesus? But what did he come to do? He didn't come to use his authority and his strength for his own purposes. He used it to serve others, never to abuse, never to exploit, but for the benefit of the other. This is a different kind of leader. This is a different kind of leadership. And we see in 1 Peter 3, 7, a different kind of masculine. We follow Jesus Christ. We never use our authority. We never use our strength 
for our own purposes. We use it for the other. We use it for our wives, men. Colossians 3.19 says, Husband, love your wives and do not, do not be harsh with them. That is out of step with the gospel. Ephesians 5.25, and the men that are going to come up here, I know they're going to refer to this. This is, this is a passage that we were going back to uh, often as we discuss this. It says, Husbands, Ephesians 5.25, Husbands, love your wives. Well, how much should I love her? Well, here's, here's the model. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. You know, last week, the key word, we saw this this inner strength and this, this beauty of the wife as she submits to her husband. And in a similar way, what, what's the key word for, for men and for the husbands? I would say it's this. It's sacrifice. Sacrifice. Just as Jesus Christ, with all the authority and all the power in the world, He sacrificed Himself out of love for His bride. So men, even though we have the authority, even though we may have more strength, our calling because of our Lord Jesus Christ is to lovingly sacrifice ourselves for our wives. This is what we've been called to. This is what a different masculine looks like. It's not Gaston, and it's not someone who has no backbone, but it's someone who says, I have authority and I have strength, and I use it to honor and to understand my wife. And so I'd like to invite some friends up here because we're going to talk through a little bit what are the implications? How does this work out in, in a real marriage. And so I've got five men that I'm going to ask to come up, and we've got an age range of, of years of experience in marriage, so I think that'll help us get a, get a full picture of what this looks like. And so I'd like to invite uh, Otis Wiley up to uh, the stage here. He's been married to Dolores for 48 years. I'd like to invite Larry Howard. Larry, Larry and Lynn have been married uh, for 41 years. Uh, Leonardo Galvin, he and Shelley have been married for 29 years. And Muliardi Hartono... Uh, he and Anna have been married for 20 years. And finally, Timothy Latabodier. He and Julie have been married for six years. So we'll get a good range there, all right? Let's welcome them up. All right, gentlemen. So the, uh, the ladies, they did an awesome job last week. So you got a lot to live up to this week. Uh, don't, don't let me down, all right? <laughs> Take some notes, guys. They've got some great stuff to share with you. But uh, Let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into it. And so, Muliati, you're going to start us off here, and I'd like for you to address uh, this. Uh, we just talked about sacrificial love. You know, that's the big idea here, following Jesus Christ, sacrificially loving. That's what the different masculine looks like. So what does sacrificial love look like for you in your marriage? Yeah, what, uh, so I've been married for 20 years, and, you know, it's not too many for many of you. But uh, what I've learned through this uh, school of pain, of arguments and conflicts, um, is that uh, one of the biggest challenges of sacrificial love is the opposite, is selfishness. And um, I learned through that, and, and the Bible talks about, you know, if you quarrel and you fight, where is that coming from? It is from your passion. And uh, that is what I've been learning. So, so what I've learned, and I, and, and I continue to learn of this, and my wife can attest to this, is how do I live that sacrificial love in a daily life? but also for decisions that are more long-term and, and has greater impacts. So the daily life would be things like 
getting garbage out and cleaning up the dishes, doing the laundry, cleaning up the house, cleaning up the shoes, you know, like put it together uh, nicely. And I don't like that. I grew up without any of this training. Um, somebody else took care of it. It was like, wow, it's a privilege. But, uh, but once I got married, it's not that way. And, and I struggle. I don't like it. I still don't like it. Um, <laughs> but I've learned, although I'm tired, although I want to watch the Warriors, although all these other, many other reasons that I do have, they are real reasons and good reasons. And, uh, but I say, no, I got to serve her. I got to step up. I got to stand up and do those things and without grumbling, but out of love. So what I've learned over the years is there is peace that come, come out of that because of obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ is to show love and not because I have to, but I want to. So, so that is the, the more daily life. But then on the other side of it, the more things that are like has longer term impacts like career or uh, raising up the kids, you know, where do the kids to go to school? Where do we want to live? I often gain a lot of perspective from my wife. Uh, she oftentimes have views that are like way better than I, what I had. And and takes me time to pray and to step back and say, wow, you know, she has her desires. She has her dreams. She has frustration, her fear, her concerns. Um, how do I take all that into account? And it, you know, like what Matt is saying, uh, for her betterment, for the children's betterment, and and step back and say, okay, I'll, I'll do these things, and I'm going to trust God for those other things that I really want. So uh, an example would be like career, you know, uh, that I want to travel and, and do other things, something that I did in my younger years. Um, but then when our kids were like very young, about 15 years ago, uh, I had to make those cho this kind of choices, like what do I do next? And, and my wife gives these uh, thoughts about, well, the kids need your time. And, and, and you know, I, I, the Bible talk about as father to train your kids in the ways of the Lord. And, you know, with prayer and decided, okay, I'm going to choose a career where I ha can spend more time at home and be able to go to their performances, you know, their concerts or whatever. And looking back, you know, I can just thank God of the wisdom that she had and she, she still has with many other areas as well. And thank God that, you know, so far my kids have been doing well, I think. Uh, they, they serve the Lord, they love the Lord, and uh, it, it is a growing still also. But uh, if I were to choose the things that I wanted to do at that time, maybe not, you know, I'm not where I am today. Beautiful. So you mentioned there that even your career choice, <clears throat> excuse me, is with your family and specifically your spouse, your wife and mine. And I, I got to ask you to say it because you said it at the table yesterday over breakfast and we all just loved it so much. Leonardo thought, hey, this would be a great t-shirt. But what was the phrase that you said about what God looks at in, in your life? Yeah, so, so uh, you know, one of the things that I wanted to do as a p possible career path is to also become a pastor. And, but I, that is also another discussion with my wife. And, you know, like I said this morning, I really appreciate the pastors here because it is not easy. Uh, a lot of demand of, of time and commitment and, and life and all that. And um, I, I said, okay, I'm not going to do that path right now. Um, but looking back, I mean, right now, looking back, uh, one of the things that I've seen is uh, there are some things that I'm, I was still struggling, you know, I'm not there yet. And had I done that, probably, you know, whoever that I would be leading might be struggling with me. <laughs> and uh, so yesterday I said, uh, you know, character over careers, or character is more important than careers, and just... You know, trust the Lord and um, 
I mean, I'm blessed today. Uh, I'm, I'm really happy with what I am doing right now. So, so the Lord will provide as He promised. Uh, that's what I can attest to. Yeah. And um, he, he is looking for our growth in relationship with Him, in our love with others. That's the way I, one of the things that I'm, I learned and continue to learn. Um, but not career, not to look good, not to gain all these uh, worldly things that, that, that could also be an option. Yeah, that, that's extremely countercultural to say God cares more about our character than he does our careers. So who are you being as a, as a godly man, as a husband, and God will provide for you in the meantime, as he provided for you in the meantime at Moviati. He's yeah, provided absolutely. for you. Wonderful. Oh, yeah, so I, I'd like to hear from Tim, and I know, Tim, you've, you've got less experience than some of the other guys up here, but I, I think you've got something to share with us, too. So what does what uh, leading through sacrificial look like for you and your marriage? So for me, we, uh, we met yesterday morning, uh, breakfast, and being the junior man of the six here, I sat back and did a fair amount of listening. Uh, <laughs> and I don't necessarily feel like I have as much to share as they do, but I felt honored to be asked to share, and so I, I will. Um, when I look at loving my wife, uh, leading sacrificially, it was kind of a difficult thing for me to understand. And many of you were here last week, heard Julie come up and talk about how she grew up, when she grew up where there weren't good men in her household, there weren't good men in her life, uh, the, women, the men that were in her life weren't treating the women right, and the women um, were strong and passionate and unyielding, and uh, there was no submitting happening, and that's what she grew up in, and I grew up in a, a, a very different situation. I grew up here in Valley where I was loved on and blessed, and I was privileged to see many uh, husbands and wives treating, them, treating each other uh, the way God wanted them to treat each other, uh, particularly in my home, my, my father and my mother. I felt like I was shown an excellent example of uh, a wife submitting to her husband as unto the Lord and, and a husband loving his wife uh, as unto the Lord. And so when I was trying to figure out, when Julie and I were courting, we were dating, and uh, I was praying about what I was supposed to be as a husband and what I was looking for in a wife, I remember specifically praying for a wife that I could serve, a wife that, um, that, would, that, that needed me, that I could help. And I said that yesterday, and the men kind of, you know, gave me the attaboy, and I thought, well, you know, I appreciate that, but the truth of the matter is I was, I was really, it was really kind of selfish in, in its root. I, was, I wanted to feel needed. I wanted to feel loved. I wanted to feel as though I could be useful. Um, but my desire to serve my wife was true. It was genuine. I really did want to be able to serve my wife, and I think that that attitude um, and that motivation helped us a lot greatly in the early years of marriage. These gentlemen have been married much longer, and so remembering the first and second years of marriage might be a little harder for them than it is for me. But our first year, our first couple years were hard, uh, particularly because we came from different backgrounds. Uh, and building on that, I left here as a teenager and went to the Army. So my views of leadership were completely different than, than Julie's. You know, in my household, when, when the husband said something, the wife did it, and there was no argument because my, my mother loved my husband, or excuse me, my father. And so it was very... It seemed very simple. And then I went to the Army, and when the sergeant said, do it, I did it. And I didn't have any choice. And then when I became a sergeant, I said, do it, and the soldier did it. And there was no, there was nothing for me to figure out. It just happened. And then I come to my marriage with Julie, and, <laughs> and even in simple things, I say, let's go right. And she says, go left. And I'm left confused. I don't understand why this is working this way. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, and it was, it was hard. It was frustrating. For both of us and for me in particular trying to figure out how I could love this woman how I could lead this woman um, 
and being confused and lost. And I, I was fortunate enough to talk to some of the pastors here on staff and get some advice and had some good men in my life that, that encouraged me. And I had a loving wife who was patient with me as I was patient with her as we tried to figure this out. And uh, I think it was a big difference for me as we talked about the difference in masculinity and the, the, the big, brash, Gaston leader um, that seemed second nature to me, that, that came to me second nature, it wasn't working in my house. And uh, so I, I had to learn a uh, different way of doing things. And it, and it largely fell onto communication, which these gentlemen uh, nailed home for me. All right. Thanks, Tim. So big difference between leading in the home and leading in the army, right? Yes, one is far easier than the other. How would you ask me that? <laughs> That's good. Yeah, when, when he He's not going to say which one. <laughs> He's learned something. No, no. No, when he brought that out, I was like, wow, that's, that's a big difference, right? Big difference. So that, that, that was discussing, you know, some of the aspects of sacrificially loving. But we saw in 1 Peter 3, 7 that husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. An understanding way or con being considerate of your, of your wife. And so I'd like to transition a little bit here. And, and Leonardo, if, if you would start out with this, this question. How important is communication and understanding your wife? And then second part of that is what are some practical things you do to better understand her? Um, one of the things that, that I wanted to share with you guys is that communication is difficult to begin with. When you bring uh, somebody with a different background and, and different training, it becomes even more difficult. So although I've been married 29 years, and as, as Tim was saying, you know, we're trying to look back you know, at the very early part of our marriages. Um, I remember learning some things. I thought I'd share that with you So from a practical standpoint. But uh, Shelly came into the marriage um, having a master's degree in marriage and family therapy. So, uh, she, uh, those of you guys know her, she's a dynamic speaker, she, uh, she's very sharp and very confident, and I come in, and I gotta learn how to communicate with this woman who has a master's, right? <laughs> and so, <clears throat> one of the things that, that Matthew talked about earlier is asking questions, and so I thought, well, I'll use that. So, you know, when I'd come home uh, from, from work, um, now, keep in mind, my, my job is to get things done. I'm, I'm a manager at a large law firm, and so I have staff, and I have people that I, uh, I have get things done for me. And as a matter of fact, I, at one point in my career, I was called Leonardo the Answer Man, because people would come to me and get, you know, to get things uh, figured out. So I'd come home, and I'd think, I'll ask questions. So I would ask Shelly questions like, so what did you do today? And then she'll tell me, and then what about this, and what about that? And then she basically stopped me, and she said, Leonardo, I'm not on your staff. <laughs> so... This is not a status report, so I had to learn how to ask questions properly. Well, before that, let me, let me uh, set this up a little bit differently. One of the things I also had to learn was timing is, is important, right? So if you were to ask Shelly, is Leonardo a morning person or an, or an evening person? And she'll say, yes. <laughs> no, so, but Shelly's not that way. I learned timing was important to, to ask her important questions or discuss anything serious. has to be after she's had a cup of coffee or before she's getting ready to, uh, to go to bed. So it's just, it's a smaller window than I do. So <laughs> anyway, so getting back to when I come home and I'm starting to ask all these questions and, and uh, I started to realize that I was asking the wrong questions. Um, she taught me and I learned to say things like, how was your day today? As opposed to what did you do? I could still ask questions. And then um, when I started trying to, when she would um, start answering questions and, and I would try to, I started to try to fix things. Some of you guys probably suffer from that as well. And I'm not saying it's perfect, because I, I still wound my wife with, with my words sometimes, right? This is like a month ago, I remember saying something uh, uh, probably unloving. 
But she, I, I learned that um, I needed to validate her feelings and not to fix things. And um, I remember a, a, a phrase we have in the home that she, that she started saying, she uses it in seminars now, is she says that when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. So she would say something like, bam, I fix it. She'll say something else, bam, I fixed it. And so I needed to learn uh, to empathize with her. So empathy is, is, the, is the ability to understand and to share the feelings of others. So that's something I learned uh, by living with Shelly. Like I said, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not there, but I, it's something that I, um, I began to understand that she needed to be validated. And so I needed to learn listening skills, asking questions, and empathy, put those in my toolbox so I can communicate better with my wife. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing, Leonardo. That's intimidating. <laughs> but good. Awesome job. Awesome. Larry, do you have any? I know communication's a, a really big thing for you, and, and you've, you've talked about it a lot in your counseling. You've even seen that a lot of the root of even marital problems really boils down to communication. So uh, you want to share about that, especially with you and Lynn? Yeah, sure. I, th I think that um, a lot of stories similar to uh, what Leonardo was talking about, Lynn and I have gone through. We both are in charge on our jobs, and... Uh, uh, used to telling people to do things and it just happened and um, with and kind of even what uh, Tim was talking about you know when you're in charge and you're writing the checks you can kind of say I want you to do that and if they don't do it you don't write them a check or you find somebody else to write a check too but you can't do that with your wife um, especially when she makes as much money as you do kind of hard to do that but I think some of that stuff but what we learn in communication I think there's four laws of communication that uh, we've taught multiple times in counseling and uh, I didn't come up with it God wrote it out for us and it's in Ephesians 4 you'll find these four laws and um, I think boy if we could memorize them and make it a way we communicate not just with our wives but with all people our world would become a different place but it's one thing is to be honest with one another stay current with one another Go after the problem, not the person. That's the third law. There's, I'm sorry, I didn't number them for you. And the fourth one would be to take action and stop reacting all the time. So if you would do that in your communication on your job and with your wife and with different people, you'll find out that they will like talking to you. They like to talk with people like that. But I think that the number one thing that we didn't mention in those four laws, but I think it's foundational for communication, is listening. Um, if you're, you can get those four laws perfect, and if you're not listening to the other person, you've not communicated. You have to listen to each other. And I know all of you know I'm a Howard and I talk and da 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 da. But let me tell you something: when it comes to counseling, or when it comes to your wife, or someone that you truly want to know, you have to shut up for a minute and listen to them, because he said we're supposed to gain knowledge of them how do i gain knowledge if all i'm doing is talking i gotta listen to her and i gotta find out what is it about my wife lynn let me tell you something she's unique to everybody in this room i don't care female male she's different and i gotta get to know her at that level of what makes her click uh, my wife's love language you hear the love language term she wants time with me i cannot figure that out except to say that it seems like I'm always going a hundred different directions. And so God gave me that challenge to make time for her. And so, and time for her is different than for me. Um, she just wants to be in the same room. It's not even that 
I need you to stare at me the whole time. No, she can be doing something else, be in the room with me, and that makes her happy. Well, that's something that you got to you find out by communicating with one another. And, you know, we're talking about Venus and Mars. I sometimes think my wife is from Saturn or something. I don't know where <laughs> she's from. But you know what I do know? I do know that God put her in my life and that I owe it to her to communicate, to understand her. She is a fellow heir. One day she won't be my wife, but I'm going to spend eternity with her. Okay, so you need to know her now. Get to know your wife. Get to know. And it's not just the woman that's the weaker vessel. You know, that passage talks about the weaker vessel. It can, vessel could be a man, too. You've you got to understand the people that are weaker than you and come alongside them and help them. And so I, I have loved the role. It's not always been the easiest. I remember... Tim said they had him up here because it hasn't been that long ago that he's gone through. So trust me, I can remember those first two years. I've tried to forget them, but they're still there. But you, you learn so much through that. And um, Christ's example of how to love your wife as, un, as though you would love yourself. How many of you would not love yourself? Everybody in the room loves themselves. If you start treating each other that way, Oh, the benefit. And guess what? Matt's going to talk about it. If you love your wife like that and get to know her and treat her properly, pray for me, please. Please pray for me if you're that person. Because he said your prayers won't be hindered. So if you're not getting along with your wife and, you, and, and your prayer's not quite, I'm sorry. Oh, it's great. Your prayer's not quite getting me, met, uh, you might want to take a look at how you're treating your wife. And other people in your life, you know, it's very interesting in this passage. Three times we're told to submit, 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 and large sections about submitting. This is the one time he deals with somebody in authority. And it's one verse, and it's treat them properly. Remember, they belong to me. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Otis, we've not got to hear from you yet. I think we're going to save the best for last year. <laughs> but uh, I, I, we talked about understanding your wife and then honoring her as the weaker vessel, right? And that honor is that, that value you place upon her and cherishing her and, and really seeing her as priceless, right? So I wanted to ask you, what, what motivates you, first of all, to want to honor your wife? And then secondly, what are some ways you've learned how she likes to receive love and honor? Okay, first of all, uh, we met and we dated for about two years. And uh, what I saw in her was that um, she loved the Lord from 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 what the young people would say from Jump Street. Um, she had this fear of God, and so my Christian background too was that my parents, my mom, brought me up in church. Not my dad, but my mother did. So um, I wanted a wife that that loved the Lord, and, and she was this woman. So I decided we would go out on a date. We'd come back. She would pray. I said, "Wow, this this woman is really committed to the hey. Lord." And um, I was um, seeking to pursue her even more to, to marriage, and we got married in 1971. And um, like you said, we go through things even when you're, when you're young in your marriage because we're two different people. I mean, she, she's um, headstrong. I mean, she's a go-getter, and I'm laid back. Um, let's do it later. And she said, let's do it now. <laughs> and I said, I'm the type of person that I have to think about. It. I don't do anything just right off the cuff. What she said, and she had to learn to stop waiting on me and, and let the Lord speak to me too. So, and he did, and, God, and eventually we, I would yield to her on what she wanted to do because she was right. 
And like sometimes I would oppose what she was doing because I just wanted to be the one that, that brought up the idea. So, <laughs> so you sort of refute her what she brought up, but it, she was right all the time. I said, well, why can't I have this, um, this gift? But um, it's with to compliment each other. So I'm in opposition to I learned to, to, to um, just go along with what she said and she ended up being right like my brother here. And so I kept praying about, um, I want to get better in the Lord. Uh, she went to Bible college before I did, and I told one of the ministers, I said, hey, she knew all about the Word of God. She's ahead of me. What do I do? He said, go to school, too. Yeah. <laughs> so I got into Bible college to get my bachelor's degree in uh, Christian education. But still, she's the type of woman that loves the Lord. She let me be out front. Um, she's never tried to correct me in the public to tell me, um, you were wrong, you shouldn't have done that. But we get back home, and she has a way of, of sharing with me about me being offended, because I'll blow up real quick <laughs> if, um, if she come at me the wrong way. But because the Lord has uh, taught her how to teach, how to reach me, and because I love the Lord, and I want to hear what she has to say. And she's a woman that's on fire for God, whatever it is you give her to do, she wants to do it wholeheartedly. And um, she's the same way at church, she's just at home, the same way she doesn't change. Um, she want to do things right, and I mentioned this morning that um, we, if I'm driving and I'm speeding, she said, why are you speeding? I said, well, we're late. I got to get there. She said, no, you're breaking the law. You're, <laughs> you're representing Christ. So at all times, wherever you are, uh, we're just going to be late. We just leave earlier next time. But you know, we want to honor God, and she does this at home. This is the way she brought the kids up, uh, teaching them the word, um, having Bible study. But even before they went to school in the morning, she was teaching them the word. But a good-hearted woman, I think God blessed me to minister to have. Now we try to honor her and um, just trying to take her out, some, bring her flowers. Sometimes I bought her flowers. She said, I don't want any more flowers. She <laughs> just bought me some. But um, just elevating her and praying for her all the time. And she prayed for being any kind of situation that goes on in our marriage. She said, wait a minute, let's, let's pray about it. We both Christians, so let's get on our knees right here. Let's go to the Lord. And God works it out. Every time, um, whatever we're going through, we can resolve our differences by God doing so. So I love her to death. I always tell her. I tell her I love her every day. And sometimes you might see me up here at the church. She says, are you coming by today? I say, yeah, I'll come back. But they say, you just left home. <laughs> but it's just the idea we're close. I didn't think that, um, you know, you can love anybody that long, but the longer we're married, the, the closer we become. So we, we're like one. She's almost thinking, um, yeah, she's thinking ahead of time. Or she make decisions that um, I don't have to make sometimes because I'm not there. So she said, I figure you want to. Things like, I want to go someplace. Uh, she'll sign us up for something. She said, we are going. I said, we? <laughs> <laughs> she said, I already signed us up. So would you like to go? I said, well, why not? You got me signed up. So I go. <laughs> um, and my brother here mentioned washing dishes, uh, vacuuming, making beds. I wash clothes. I do it all. One of my brothers said, you messing it up for the men. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, God gave me this woman. I don't know what I did that was good, but I did. I loved the Lord. I received him at age 11. And I always wanted to serve him. I always tell God, if I could get my arms around him, I would, would never turn him loose. But uh, I love God that much. And um, I know he loves us. And all you have to do is just um, be fair by your spouse. And um, I don't have no problems with that. My dad was abusive to my mom, but I swore that I would never uh, lay a hand on my wife. Not that she would let me to anyway. <laughs> 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 and so 
always say God is, is, is wonderful. He's a wonderful God. If you trust God, I tell everybody, if you love your wife and do what God said, he'll bless your socks off. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we haven't wanted for anything. We went through a hard time, but God is blessing us so tremendously now. I can't even explain. I said, we still got this. We got that. I was telling her we go on vacation. I said, um, she said, we're going to save some money to go on vacation. So she come up with big money. What, $3,000? So where you get all this money from? She said, every time you give me allowance, I put it away. <laughs> but, and I don't have to worry with her about the checkbook because she's done overspend. She's spent what she has to. I never asked her how much did she spend. I just trust her. She does the bills. <laughs> Everything gets paid for. I mean, the property that we have now because she made a decision. She said, why not just step out? I said, well, I'm always holding back and saying, what if this happened? What if? She said, what if? Who are we trusting in? I said, it's God. He's in charge. If God wants us to have this house, he's going to give it to us. And that's what God does. God says, step out on faith and watch him work in your life. And that's what I've been doing. It's good stuff. And so you've heard some stories here today. And and to a man, I mean, we all sat over some breakfast yesterday. And and we all explained, hey, I don't know if I'm the right guy for this, right? I mean, am, am I really the example you want to put out there? And I think, I think it's, it's good because what we need to understand, and we heard it from the ladies last week, is that, you know, what, what shows off the good news of Jesus Christ isn't that we're perfect people, but it's that we're forgiven people. And we're people that are in process and that we don't look like we used to when we got saved, but, but God's changing us over time. And, and that's, what, that's what adorns the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'm so thankful. Let's give a round of applause to these men today. I'm so blessed that they'd share their stories with you about what does it look like to, to live this life of sacrificial love for my spouse? What does it look like to understand her with communication? What does it look like to honor her uh, in our home? And I think, friends, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, if, if we live this kind of way, not perfectly, but with all of our hearts, I think it'll show our world that something's different about us, that we have a great hope, that we've got a great Savior and that's what's at stake, and it's so beautiful. And so uh, I'd like for all the, all the men, whether you're a husband or not, I'd like for all the men to stand up because it's not just about treating our husbands in the right way, but it's about treating all women in our lives in the right way, with understanding and with honor. And so I'm going to ask our brother Tim Latibodier. He's going he's gonna to close us in prayer right now, and, and let's pray for each other, men, that God would teach us to live in a way that honors Jesus Christ. Our Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for being a good, good father. And, and a loving God. We thank you for caring for us. We thank you for waking us up, getting us here, and for daily, daily blessing us with your new mercies. We thank you and we love you. We pray right now that you would be with these men, uh, these men who are husbands, who will be husbands, who aspire to be husbands, uh, that we would be husbands that honor you in the way that we treat our wives, that we would be husbands that honor you in the way that we represent ourselves to this world, as, as Pastor talked about, being counterculture, being holy and being set apart, that we would live lives that show you off, that show off your gospel in the way that we treat our wives, the way that we treat our family, the way that the women in this church are treated. Uh, Father, I pray that you would that you would do a mighty work in the men here at Valley, that we would uh, that we would really drive and we would have a driven love for our wives, that it would make us be sacrificial, that we would lay our, our will down, that we would lay our, our hearts down, and we wouldn't say, 
be so stubborn that it's our way or it's no way that we would say, you know what? If we got to do dishes, we got to do dishes. If you're tired and you need me to fold the clothes, I'll fold the clothes. If you need me to make dinner, I'll set some time aside and I'll make dinner. Whatever it is that needs to be done in the household, that we would be loving our wives. It, it makes it so much easier for them to submit to someone who loves them so greatly. We don't hear our wives complaining about submitting to Jesus because they know Jesus loves That's them right. so greatly. Right. And we've been called to love our wives the way Jesus loved the church. Amen. And so that means we need to be loving our wives to the point of being willing to lay our lives down to that point and all the way up there. Father, I pray that you'd be with us this day, that you would be with those men who couldn't make it today, that we would be able to, uh, to share the good news throughout the week to the people that we come into contact with. We love you and we praise you. You're worthy. Amen.